Hello and welcome to the Wicked Things Podcast. We present to you Stadler House Book 2 Emily. How would you move on if you suffered the terrible loss of your family at a friend's hand? That is what Emily Stevens has been trying to do for almost two decades, but her past seems hell-bent on haunting her till her dying days. She has continued to suffer and now finds herself locked away in a mental health facility. Dr. Stadler, hypnotized and forced her to forget parts of her past, before his incarceration. Dr. Waters, under court orders continues to try and determine if Emily is sane enough to stand trial for murder. Rodney, has moved on as one of the two survivors of the Stadler House Massacre. But it seems fate has put him and Emily in a direct path towards one another. Who knows how this will all end or if it will end. Otherworldly forces are clearly at work in this small town of Port St. John, Florida. Emily walks back into the front room, stopping next to the recliner holding Mr. Hill. She pushes her knee against the leg rest a couple times to jostle the old man, hoping to awaken, but not startle him. She whispers to him, Mr. Hill, I need you for a moment. You can go right back to sleep. I have a quick question. Mr. Hill groans and rolls over to face her. He squints and rubs at his eyes. He draws in the legs of the chair and looks at her. James asks her in a short burst of words, What do you want now? Emily points back to the hallway. Whose room is the one next to the master bedroom? Was that your room? James nods an affirmative yes. Yeah. Why? Emily folds her arms. I heard something from inside there. I think it may be an animal or something. Where's the key? James gestures towards the kitchen. Yeah. Last I knew, my mom hung the keys inside the pantry. Should be next to the garbage bags in there. Emily seems confused for a moment. Did you put a lock on the door? James shakes his head a defiant no. Nah, that was my mom. I was a real handful and was always sleepwalking. She had that done back when I was around seven years old. She grew tired of finding me wandering around outside at night. Brenda claimed I was like Houdini. Some nights the locks didn't keep me inside either. Emily scoffs. You know, today, that's child abuse. Someone would go to jail for locking their child in their room. James chuckles. Yeah, they sure don't make people like they used to these days. Bunch of punks, if you ask me. Emily spots a handmade quilt draped across the arm of a love seat, buried under a mountain of newspapers. The brown dingy flower print on the sofa acts like camouflage, nearly matching the fake panel wood on the walls of the front room. She grabs the quilt and covers James before he can draw her further into what will be an offensive conversation. On that note... I need to get that key and see if something crawled into that room from outside. James adds one last thought as she walks away. He shrugs. Probably a raccoon looking to get out of that damn storm. Emily walks into the kitchen and opens the pantry door. She locates a set of keys. She grabs them from the key ring. Cool beans. Emily spots a flashlight and some batteries in the pantry on a shelf close to the keys. She turns it on, 
and the light burns bright against the dark. Nothing should be able to hide in there with this thing. Emily approaches the door with keys in hand. She grabs the lock, jabbing the key in, and turns. The lock opens, and a cool breeze drifts past her. Emily reaches for the doorknob, but it clicks like someone turns it to open the door. The old faded green door swings open on its own, groaning as it moves. Her smile leaves her face when she hears the faint sound of a child's laugh from inside the room. Emily tries the light switch, but nothing happens. She turns her flashlight on and shines it into the childhood bedroom of James Hill. She steps into the room. Here goes nothing. The bedroom seems to have stepped out of a young child's room from the 1960s, including the smell of aged wood and mold hidden behind the old wood paneling on the walls. Unlike the rest of the house, this room has high-pile faded brown carpeting. The wooden handmade shelves hold simple toys, no doubt played with by children from a simpler time. The toys show signs of wear and tear from being played with in the distant past. Though most of the colors have faded, cobwebs cling to each one and cockroach eggs attached to each one. Emily steps into the room, and her foot lands in the heavily saturated carpet. The floor responds to her step with a wet splotch, accompanied by the groaning of swollen floorboards. She rolls her shoulders, and a frown takes shape. She lifts her foot to look at the sneaker she has on. Emily exhales, and the frown leaves. Thank God, at least it's water this time. Emily can see the rays of the morning sun casting its warm glow across the small town between the bands of high wind and torrential rain. She notices the windows of the room covered by plywood from outside of Mr. Hill's house. She shrugs as a question forms, why did they leave the wood up? The flashlight reveals crayon drawings attached to the wall. The skill of the creator was that of a child, as the images are simple and lack depth. Emily moves closer to get a better look at the drawings. Emily can see the name James printed on each by the shaky hand of a young boy trying to express himself. She glances toward the front room and scoffs. So, you were a normal person at one time. Emily jumps as the door gets blown closed with a loud slam. She spins to shine the light on the door. She finds herself compelled to ask the obvious question. Mr. Hill, was that you? Emily waits, but no answer comes after a couple minutes. She hears the rain and wind outside picking up again in response to the next storm band coming ashore. She can see wet spots along the exterior wall form and run down to the floor. The temperature of the room drops low enough that she can see her warm, moist breath with each exhale. Emily instinctively rubs her hands against her shoulder. The room colors fade, taking on a cooler blue hue. Emily feels something else in the room with her. The presence seems to come from out of nowhere. She moves the glow of the flashlight around the room, trying to bring whatever hot may be into the light. 
No sooner does the flashlight's brilliant illumination reach the child's bed than the batteries fail, dimming to absolute non-existence. Emily turns the light to face her, giving her the chance to examine the bulb to see if it went out. She shakes the light. The light briefly comes on, but then the batteries drain away. Damn it! Out of the corner of her eye, she sees something move near the head of the bed. She looks in the direction of the movement and sees children's coats hanging from a series of hooks on the wall. With each high wind moving past the house, any burst coming near the boarded-up windows directs the stream of air against the dangling coats. Emily sighs in relief after noticing the answer to what created the movement that startled her moments before. She feels something cold and wet wrap around her hand. She looks towards her hand and falls backward to the floor, seeing a young boy with short dark hair, blue jean cut-off shorts, and a tank top with the word groovy printed on it. Who the— The boy disappears as fast as he appears. Emily turns her head frantically, allowing her eyes to race around the room trying to find the now-missing boy. She brings her hand to her face to examine it for signs of the young boy's touch. She questions herself. Was that real? Who was that? Am I dreaming? Emily leaps to her feet and turns to run out the door. She's frozen in her tracks, confronted by a wall of ghoulish-looking children in varied states of decay. Each of the kids still show the wound that took their lives as fresh, bloody wounds. She sees the little blonde girl holding a finger to her lips, gesturing for her to stay silent for now. Emily feels compelled to place her hands over her mouth, she finds herself flooded with emotions ranging from sadness to rage and anger to odd joy. She feels like a puppet on a string as she sits on the edge of the bed. Emily finds it harder and harder to focus with each passing moment. She blinks and shakes her head, not feeling like herself at all. Her skin feels like worms are burrowing beneath it. She whispers, What's happening? Emily sways side to side momentarily before feeling a sensation like a balloon bursting in her sinuses. She can smell the pungent metallic smell of fresh blood dribbling from her nose. The world spins around her. Emily falls back onto the bed before blacking out. She can hear the little blonde girl say before her hearing joins her beyond the wall of consciousness, Damn it, Tommy. I told you not to push her so hard. Look, you broke her. The darkness of the void swirls around her body as Emily lays flat on her back. Dead children stare down at her unconscious body. The entity of the void walks through the swirling blackness and joins the children. The entity gestures to the little blonde girl to awaken Emily. She kneels next to Emily and smiles devilishly. She taps Emily on the tip of her nose and says, Boop! Wake up, silly head. We need to talk. Emily twitches, and she swipes her hand at the tip of her nose. She sits upright, with her arms sticking straight out in front of her. She rubs her aching head. She slowly opens her eyes and groans. Ugh! 
Not this place again. The little blonde girl offers to help Emily up to her feet. Emily brushes the girl's hands away and gets back under her feet. So why am I here now? This whole scene is getting boring, don't you think? All the ghostly children and the entity glance to one another, confounded by Emily's words. The entity pushes past the children to stand opposite Emily. The entity folds its arms and frowns. But nonetheless, its words seem to drift in from all directions. This is no dream. Your sister bound us together long ago. I have slumbered in the dark corners of your mind, awaiting the day we encountered those like before. Emily listens to the words spoken by the entity, but stays confused. She interrupts the entity's train of thought. Okay, let's start with the fact you told me to go find my sister. First, I never had a sister. The closest thing I ever had to one was in a group home ten years ago they assigned me to back when I was a much younger girl. She wasn't my sister. That girl was a psychopath. She murdered everyone but me. I... The blonde girl does not look amused by Emily's scornful remarks. She wags a corrective finger in Emily's face and then gestures to the entity. You and I were sisters, blood sisters, remember? We cut ourselves and shared blood and everything. They separated us after what happened at the group home. The entity nods in agreement to the little blonde girl's words. He ruffles her hair and turns back to face Emily. The ritual Stephanie and you performed entwined all three of our souls permanently. The pact we created and the words you spoke guaranteed you would both help me return those who cheated death and return them beyond the veil, to the twilight world. Emily pinches the bridge of her nose to release the pressure of a headache created by the nonsense she has listened to. She scoffs and waves her hands about as if she were trying to make the whole scene disappear into the darkness. So let me get this straight. My sister made me enter a pact with the devil to hunt down and return spirits of the dead that escape his grasp. Did I get that all? Hmm? Did I leave anything out? Oh, for heaven's sake, Emily, wake up! Stephanie, the little blonde girl, gestures to the other children standing together. She scolds Emily in hopes of reaching her wall of disbelief. James Hill murdered every child here. Do you understand what I'm saying? Emily shakes her head in obvious resistance to the words spoken by Stephanie. Emily rubs her temples and scoffs. Mr. Hale went to prison and served out his sentence. The judge decided the evidence was enough to convict him. I have read his chart. It includes the details of his incarceration. The entity steps between Stephanie and Emily. Its voice comes slow and steady. Stephanie and I sought him out. Somehow he knew about us, and he laid a trap. I sensed something was wrong, 
but she wouldn't heed any of my warnings against continuing. Emily gestures toward Stephanie, and then to the entity. Why would you make a child her age come out here? You know a monster was living here. Stephanie throws her hands up as she turns away from Emily. She stomps towards the children, placing distance between Emily and herself. I choose to look this way. I hoped you would remember me and cut past all the this-is-your-life garbage. I guess Dr. Stadler did a real number on your head after all. The entity looks at Stephanie, but points at Emily as it talks. If she can't fully remember, I can't fully step in to help cross these children over to the twilight. She has to remember and regain her trust in me. Emily scratches the side of her head. When will this nightmare end? Come on, Emily, wake up. A boy with short dark hair, wearing blue jeans and a red shirt, steps closer to Emily. He turns to face the entity and Stephanie. He pleads with them. This is taking too long. He will get away with it. Meanwhile, we will end up stuck here forever. The emotional presence of the entity shifts, filling the area with a sense of its authority. The entity stares at the young boy. Anthony, we have to take our time with this, or she will resist. If that happens, he gets away with everything he did to each of you. He will also escape the justice he deserves in the twilight. After that, preach in prison absolved him of all his sins and wrongdoings. Stephanie nods after hearing the words spoken by the entity and points at Emily. She has to remember. Then he will get the real justice he deserves for everything he has done. Emily shrugs. If this is all real, I'm definitely not saying this is either. Why not do the ghost thing and kill him? Stephanie laughs at Emily's innocence of the realities of our world. She gets joined by the other children, creating a cacophony of ghastly children voices. Stephanie hangs a corrective finger at Emily and smiles. All right, we need to get her back on track. The entity shrugs and gestures to Emily. Well, that leaves a precious handful of choices for us doesn't it? Stephanie nods in agreement with the entity, but her smile has turned into a frown. You're right, but you're always right. Should he suspect that she knows what is really going on, it could waken up, that is, assuming it is still sleeping. Emily steps backwards, giving some distance between the others and herself. What are you talking about? A second. I understand. Emily laughs at herself. That was some world-class weed. I have to be super high right now. The entity turns towards Emily. He then points to Stephanie and the ghostly children. He then motions aggressively at Emily. Emily, I am sorry, but we are about to ruin your high. 
Emily recoils at the words spoken by the entity. She turns to walk away, but discovers the children have encircled her. That's not cool, man. You should never ruin someone else's buzz. Stephanie and the ghost children rush at Emily. Stephanie's voice booms and terrifies like a banshee claiming its prey. Sorry, this is the way it has to be. There's no time left. Emily raises her arms defensively in front of herself to ward off the angry mob's advance. No, stay away from me, you creepy little bastards. The mob of angry spirits converge on Emily from all sides. They knock her to the ground with a loud, wet thump as her body lands back in the heavy virus fluid on the floor of this space. Emily yells for help. Emily wakes up shivering on top of the soaked high-pile carpet. The rain enters directly inside the home through a section of crumbled roof which has fallen and struck her in the head. She grabs the side of her head as it throbs and aches. Emily pulls small pieces of wood and crumbling drywall from her hair. Her hair, now a tangled mess of gooey, heavily saturated drywall, human hair, and small fragments of wood, that explains a lot. Emily leans against the small bed and pulls herself upright. Still clutching at the side of her head, she looks up to inspect the hole above her. She spots a wooden trunk in the attic space above the room. What the hell is that? Emily jumps back as the trunk proves to be too heavy for the deteriorating ceiling. The trunk falls, landing in the center of the bed next to Emily. She stares at it, surprised that it has landed presenting the latch in front of the box towards her. She swallows hard and reaches for the trunk. Please be high, please be high, please be high. I really like this Stadler House series. If you like it to don't forget to throw us a like or subscribe. But for now this is the Wicked Things Podcast signing off. Until next time. Goodbye.